Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. We have a very interesting guest with us this morning, Joe Palella. Four generations have passed since the assassination of President John Kennedy, and people of all ages and cultures, well, we recognize the images of the President, Jackie, Carolyn, and John, and people from all ages and all cultures recognize those photos. My guest today is private investigator and polygraph examiner, former Secret Service Special Agent Joseph Palella. Joe was in the trenches as a member of the White House detail, and he became a polygraph examiner after he he left the U.S. Secret Service, and he's conducted over 17,000 polygraph examinations. He's a licensed private investigator in both California and Illinois and specializes in criminal defense, background investigations, and locating people. He he does also provide services, uh, executive protection services, private and commercial, and uniformed security officers. Uh, in California, we call those uh, a, a private patrol operator. Um, Joe was featured on both Fox TV show Liars and Queen Latifah as a technical advisor, a featured polygraph examiner. He was a technical advisor for the Lisa so- Show and King World. He's appeared on ABC Peter Jennings episode, President John F. Kennedy. Besides that, he founded Chicago's American Lie Detect- Detection Laboratory, the California Organization of Private Police, and established the American College of Forensic Studies. He's a member of the California Association of Licensed Investigators, the American Polygraph Association, and the Association of Former Agents of the U.S. Secret Service, among, of course, many others. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Francine. Thank you so much for being on the show. You well, know, it's my pleasure. Your um, your career is just so fascinating, and uh, I know people want to hear about how you got into the Secret Service and how that all came about. So tell us about that. Well, um, when I was in the Marine Corps, Francine, uh, in uh, 1948, I uh, heard on the uh, or read in the paper that uh, two people from the National Party of Puerto Rico. They tried to shoot President um, Truman at the temporary White House in Washington, D.C., and um, that uh, the Secret Service agents who were on duty at that time shot the two uh, perpetrators. Mm. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm in the Marine Corps to kind of protect the country, and I thought to myself, what would be better than getting into the Secret Service and protecting the, the president? of the country and probably the most important guy in the whole world. So after going to college, you had to have a college degree. I went to University of Colorado, got a college degree, um, played football there, that kind of stuff, and um, worked temporarily uh, as a insurance investigator and applied to get a job with the Secret Service uh, in Hi. Chicago. And... Um, it took um, nine months to about a year before, um, after doing all the background investigation, that they um, they called up one time and said, "Look, Joe, uh, uh, you're still interested? Give your uh, uh, present occupation a 30-day notice, and uh, uh, we'll 
trained you at the uh, Secret Service School in, in Washington, D.C. You must have been so, so excited. did it. <laughs> you must have been so excited. Uh, absolutely. That was it. In fact, I was a little disappointed. Francine, I said, gee, you know, because I always had Secret Service guys. It's kind of like my heroes. I said, gee, they're taking me. <laughs> but anyhow, so it, <laughs> it, it worked out okay. Uh, it was, it was a, a, a wonderful experience. And uh, uh, probably, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe the the uh, kind of greatest part of my life. You know, it, it, yeah. it's kind of sad that, in a certain uh, extent, that um, at a kind of a young age, uh, late twenties, thirties, uh, that was uh, your um, crux of of your life, so to speak. But anyhow, that was that was uh, it was a great great period of time. Great people and. Um, I started a little bit with Eisenhower and then was with Kennedy for the time that uh, the horrible assassination. And uh, yeah. so and a little so, bit with Nixon and Johnson. So yeah, a, a so, little taste of uh, the different kind of presidents. They're all different. And, and the president, the detail became a little bit different because they were, you know, kind of a pattern after the president's. For sure. Okay, so let's back up a second. How, sure. So how old were you when you actually went into the Secret Service? Uh, 25. 25. And now, so the Secret Service doesn't just protect the president. They do other things. So did you go right into the White House detail, or did you do other no, things? No, no, no. Uh, initially, um, Francie and I, I went into um, the Chicago office, and the, uh, the Secret Service also handles... Uh, uh, counterfeit currency, uh, forged treasury checks, um, problems along those lines, uh, president, uh, protection of other dignitaries. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in those days there was no visa or uh, visa cards or anything of that nature. Now the Secret Service also handles uh, any improprieties as far as uh, your, your visa and, and, and those kind of cards. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was uh, there was only 400 agents in the whole Secret Service. Now there's about 4,000. So, yeah, amazing, isn't it? There's a lot of difference, yeah. Yeah. So 400 agents mean, mean, actually meant you knew every agent. Yeah, right, right. Uh, there, on the White House detail, there was about 40 agents, and the uh, rest of the country was about 350, 360 Chicago was the second uh, biggest office uh, in the country. We had 12 agents, so you can see it wasn't like it is now. It was 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 very nice in, to, in a certain respect because you did know everybody. It was uh, wasn't as um, almost. It's, it's almost like a uh, you know, almost like a machine now. There's, there's so many different people. There's so many uh, different parts of it. At one time, you did everything. You did pres- presidential protection when necessary. You did counterfeit when necessary. Uh, forged checks. Uh, a whole slew of things. And I, um, I uh, got kind of lucky, I guess, to a certain extent, because when I uh, when I got in the, when I was in the Marine Corps, I got like like all the other Marines got a tattoo. Well, when I got in the Secret Service and went through the physical, nothing was mentioned about the tattoo until uh, about six months later. And while I was in the Chicago office um, talking to my uh, special agent in charge, uh, Paul Paterni, and uh, in Chicago, uh, it gets like California or Southern California. It gets really, really hot. 
plus being humid, plus no air conditioning. So although we always had to wear a suit and tie, we could at least wear short sleeve shirts. So uh-huh. one time talking to the, uh, the my boss, uh, they had my sh- short sleeve shirt on, and he saw the tattoo, and he says, holy Christ, how did you get a, into the Secret Service with a tattoo? That's a no-no. I said, I don't know. Nobody ever mentioned anything to me. He said, oh, yeah. He says, uh, you know, the, the tattoos are uh, uh, no FBI, Secret Service, even policemen have tattoos. It's, it's just, uh, you know, a bad thing. So he's, he's thinking what to do, and he said, well, you know, you're, you're Italian descent. You're from Chicago, you know, some, some of the bad guys. And sadly enough, a lot of them were um, <laughs> Italian descent, and a lot of them were, were, were outfit or, or mafia type. Uh-huh. Right. And um, so he said, you know, the the the, uh, the special agent who was the uh, undercover guy at that time, a guy by the name of Bob Motto, was retiring, and he said, you know, would you would you would you like to work undercover? And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, it's either undercover or I might lose my job. Really? Plus the fact that I, that I thought it was a pretty interesting kind of a job, you know, working undercover. And yeah. um, so I said, well, look, let me talk to my uh, my wife. I had three kids at that time and, and had to tell her that, look, I, I might not be around too much because, you know, I'm in some, some assignments I might be, you know, overnight the whole bit. But we, we both agreed that this is what I wanted to do. She was, she was a good wife, and, and as much as I, I hated to be, be away from my kids, it wasn't, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. So I said uh, to, to my boss, I said, yeah, let, let me do that. It might be interesting. So um, I did, and, and um, I got some some very interesting cases. Uh, uh, I don't know if you want me to go through some of those. Yeah, cases. let's 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 come back to that. Sure. So we want to talk about that. Let's come back to it. But um, let's let's talk a little bit more about the White House. What would be an average day on your detail at the White House? Well, that was another beautiful thing about it. Um, uh, Francine, you never had an average day because you never you had an what, average day. Huh? You 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 did what the, the president wanted to do. So if the president was going on a trip, we went on a trip. If the president wanted to play golf, we do that. If you wanted to visit somebody in another city, uh, have another meeting, uh, go to the the, the capital, the Senate, uh, to Hyannisport. Uh, usually in the summer we'd go to Hyannisport, in the winter we'd go to uh, Palm uh, Palm Beach. Uh, Mrs. Kennedy uh, never stayed at the White House. She she didn't like the well, you know all the stuff going on. So and she 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 loved. She was a real horseback uh, riding uh, a lover of horses. So mm-hmm. there was a, a place about seventy miles from the White House called Atoka. Uh, Toka, Virginia, and they they bought a a forty acre ranch there, and we used to call it Rattlesnake Mountain because it was chock full of uh, rattlesnakes, which in some respects was kind of fun for us because we had the uh, little shot uh, shotguns, almost a pistol shaped shotgun that we'd go around shooting the, the rattlesnakes, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nothing ever happened. Thank God, as far as the, um, uh, her or the kids, she had her detail. Uh, a guy by the name of Clint Hill who recently wrote a book. Right. A yeah. really great book. It was called Kennedy and Me, and it's one of the best books, Mrs. Kennedy and Me. Uh, one of the, quite frankly, <laughs> love stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, he, he loved her. 
and nothing in there about it, but I really, he really was close. And uh, so he was there, and Paul Landis, the, uh, uh, her detail uh, entailed two people, uh, Clint Hill and, and, uh, and, and Paul Landis, and there was what we call a kiddie detail, uh, two other guys that, that they were with the, the children all the time. And then every every month they would take three guys from the regular detail to work the three shifts, you know, uh, eight to four, four to twelve, and twelve to eight. So that that was the uh, her her detail, and uh, so there were times we'd spend time with her when she went to Italy. Uh, some of the Secret Service guys with her were with her, and I had a chance to go there too, uh, Francie. If the only trouble was, um, even though my dad was uh, first generation Italian, and he didn't want us to to speak Italian, he wanted us to speak. The kids, Marigan, which is uh, Italian for American. Mm-hmm. So I never learned Italian. Uh, had I learned that's to speak a, Italian, I could have probably gone uh, with her to Italy and it would have been a wonderful trip. Um, some of the trips that we would go on were fantastic. I mean, you know, I had a private audience uh, with President Kennedy and the Pope and things like that that, you know, made the, the job wonderful, even though... Yeah. Started out um, at um, four thousand nine hundred eighty bucks a year. That four thousand nine hundred eighty dollars a year. Wasn't that something? GS seven forty nine eighty. The the chief of the Secret Service was making about eleven thousand, and we used to think, geez, what does he do with all that money?" <laughs> right. <laughs> because you know you could uh, you know um, things were so so much cheaper than a, a gallon of gasoline was about thirty cents. Yeah. Uh, a quart of milk was about fifteen cents. Uh, 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 I bought a, a beautiful house in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, two, it was new, four bedrooms, three baths, two car garage for nineteen nine, <laughs> with a hundred dollars down. Now, isn't that Amazing. unbelievable? Amazing. So you could make it probably better then. At that really low rate, then, then you know a lot of people uh, who are making forty, fifty, sixty thousand bucks a year now. Yeah, it was a whole different time. It was a it was a good time. So, Joe, did, were you able to spend any personal time with the president and with the family? I mean, did you have that kind of a relationship with them? Well, uh, in some respects, to a certain extent, it was it was almost all personal because uh, wherever he went. We would go. So, um, you know, when he, when he was in the um, uh, Oval Office, we'd we'd be at the at the front door. We wouldn't be in it while he's having the meeting. Uh, but uh, when there was nobody there, and he'd come out, and you know, he was a very pleasant guy. Uh, in fact, I remember when um, when Eisenhower was president, and Eisenhower would come from his where the, the, the where they the the residence. To the Oval Office, he had to go through a hall, and uh, you know he, being a general, and 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 most of us were were vets. Uh, you know, we kind of stood at attention and never never said mm. anything to him. Mm-hmm. Well, when Kennedy came in, you know we did the same thing, but he had a brought a uh, old good old Irish guy uh, uh, that um, was the, uh, the the Kennedy chauffeur, and he kind of brought him as honorary uh, Secret Service guy. And uh, so they'd walk down the hall, and we'd be the same way, you know, look straight ahead, you know, at attention. 
So one time he said to us, uh, not Kennedy, but the, the guy that was with him, and he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, Mr. Kennedy was uh, saying that you guys should be called a silent service instead of the secret service. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and at that time there was a, um, uh, a submarine thing called a silent service. And, you know, and so, so from then on, when he'd come by, we'd say good morning, Mr. President, he'd say good morning to us and smile and that kind of stuff. So that broke the ice a little bit. Okay, Joe, we need to take, Joe, we need to take a quick break. Sure. Hang on to that thought. Let me, sure. We'll be right back with Joe Palella. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or Cali. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Former Secret Service agent Joe Palella has been telling us about serving on the White House detail under President John F. Kennedy. And Joe, you were just saying about uh, uh, President Kennedy bringing his own guy in as an honorary Secret Service member and, and what was going on with that. So go ahead. Yeah, and uh, the guy's name, he had a great name, Muggsy O'Leary. Oh, no. <laughs> and Muggsy O'Leary, if I was uh, casting for somebody like that in Hollywood, I would, I would use him. Perfect, perfect guy. <laughs> Funny kind of guy, uh, you know, he was, he was, you know, maybe in the 60s, you know, a lot older than any, any other Secret Service guys, but was so close to, to the Kennedy family, uh, he was perfect kind of liaison between us and, and, and President Kennedy, so that we kind of got an inside uh, view of what uh, he thought of us, <laughs> and he, uh, he loved us, we loved him. 
That's amazing. So, um, so you must have been really, you were with Eisenhower. You must have been really excited when President Kennedy was elected and you went over to the new detail. Oh, definitely. I mean, here, you know, uh, here was a, a young guy, uh, not much older than, than most of us. Um, he, um, uh, exuded, uh, you know, youth and his wife, beautiful lady. Uh, and some, somebody, uh, later on had, had rightly called it, uh, the, um, uh, oh, the, the kind of King Arthur type of thing, um, they, they had a name for it, but it, 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 it related to the, the time of, of King Arthur. Oh, Camelot. 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 And Camelot was wonderful. I mean, it really was like Camelot because as good of a president and stable and all that stuff as, as, as President Eisenhower was, there was a, we were kind of in a, in a, you know, in a no growth kind of, uh, period. And all of a sudden, uh, with the, with the Kennedy, uh, charisma and everything, everything, you, you got the feeling of, uh, Wow, we're, we're uh, the country's really growing it, 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 in, in the right area. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, more freedom or equality for uh, for minorities, uh, for women, the whole bit. It was just uh, you know uh, he really I think started all of this uh, that we have now, and um, and it, uh, it, it, to me that was uh, was a wonderful thing. Uh, he. He was a, a really, uh, he loved every, he was, he was, you know, people say, well, how was he in real life? I say, well, what kind of impression did you get from him on TV? He said, well, likable, real, nice guy. So that's the way he was. He would treat the, uh, uh, the maid, the White House maid, like he would the Queen of uh, England. That was the kind of guy, that good sense of humor, funny kind of guy. Uh, I never, never saw him irritated, never saw him ticked off or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when when some hard decisions were were, were had to be made, it was a lot. A lot of times he'd, he'd kind of refer back to his uh, brother Bobby, who was was pretty tough uh, really? during the Cuban crisis. I, I think uh, 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 Bob Kennedy uh, helped um, President Kennedy make the decision to to stop the the Russians before they got to Cuba because the Russians had. Uh, uh, missiles in their in their ships that uh, could have um, flown to, to this country, mm-hmm. and then and, uh, that that could have been horrible. So, and that was a very interesting period. I, I was working a midnight shift at that time, and and Kennedy was uh, with all of his uh, cabinet people, and and there were some people who were kind of hawks and said, you know, don't, don't let them get any closer than thirty miles. And some of the doves types were saying, well. Uh, nothing's really going to happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think Bobby Kennedy was the guy that said, <laughs> stop him now or we're going to be in, uh, you know, really, really in problems. And it got to the point, uh, Francine, that uh, there were, there was a, a place uh, in the, the mountains of Virginia that were, that were un, uh, unpenetrable. Bombs, nuclear bombs, nothing like that could ever uh, get, uh, do, any, do any damage. And we had helicopters flying around the, the outside of the White House. 
ready to pick up um, um, you know, the White House people who um, would, would go to this um, uh, place uh, that was so secretive. And uh, we were told that, you know, that it could only hold so many people. If anybody else tried to, to, to get in who wasn't on the list, we were to stop them. Uh, wow. Even other Secret Service agents who weren't, uh, you know, were, weren't on duty at that time. So it was, it was I don't know if people realized um, how... Um, what a real crisis it was, it was yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know this is probably on everybody's mind that's listening. Were you, were you in Dallas when Kennedy was assassinated? No, I was... Um, my assignment, as I mentioned before, was to spend a month at... It's uh, uh, Atoka, Virginia house uh, place that they had where she stayed most of the time. Where Jackie stayed, yeah. Have people, even, even when she, she went with them to Dallas, you still had to be there to, to make sure people didn't try to get in, you mm-hmm. know, sneak in. So uh, I was on route to uh, Atoka and got uh, wind of the, uh, on the radio heard that, um, that he had been shot, and, and initially it didn't say he was killed or anything, but it also said that the Secret Service guy was shot. Right. So I called the, the White House, Jerry Bain, who was the, 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 the head of the White House detail, and he said, Joe, uh, get back to the um, White House garage because the uh, car that he was uh, shot in is going to be uh, flown back to the uh, garage, and the... Um, Doctors from the Bethesda, Bethesda Naval Hospital were going to pick up, there were parts of his brains and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. bone. It was, it was pretty horrible. So that was my assignment to go back to the, to the, the White House garage. And, uh, when I got there, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad. So uh, waiting for the, um, people from the Bethesda Naval Hospital to arrive and walking around the, um, the car, and you know, I had heard, like any, all the other Secret Service guys, that the, the shots were from the back, mm-hmm. um, Oswald. Um, but there was a hole, looked like a bullet hole in the front windshield. Really? This, this really hasn't been brought out. Now, you know, I was, let's face it, kind of a dazed myself. It was such a, I couldn't believe that. The, our reason to be, so to speak, was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never did look, Francine, to see if the, the glass particles were on the driver's side of the windshield or, or the uh, engine, the, the outside. Or the, uh, the, the no outside of the outside, yeah. Uh, what, what, what direction the, the bullet came from. So to this day, I, I don't know, and it could could have been a very big help as far as uh, if, if the conspiracy um, theory uh, had any validity to it, the Secret Service um, line is there that that was Oswald, and that was it. Blah blah. You know, no, 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 mm-hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts. But who knows? Yeah, you know, and, and the Secret Service got a lot of criticism from all camps, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, there was. You mean you were whole... born then? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> Two years yeah. old. <laughs> uh, just a baby. Uh, but the Secret Service really was under the gun because, you know, you all were charged with protecting the president and the president was now deceased. Right. And, and how did you feel about when the Warren Commission report came out? 
Well, at that, at that time, um, Francie, even though I had noticed the the, the bullet hole, I, I kind of went along with the uh, the the, uh, the Warren Commission. I I, I couldn't imagine uh, you know the different theories that it could have been rogue uh, CIA agents or or um, somebody from Cuba uh, or super conservative kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that just didn't make sense. Uh, that if, they, if, if, if it was them, they would hire kind of a loser kind of guy like uh, like Oswald. Uh, you know, Oswald just went from one uh, screw up to another. Um, but um, you know, in, in retrospect, in, in, in later years, and in, in, uh, I know that there was some feeling. Uh, Joe Kennedy, for example. Uh, wasn't exactly an angel himself, and he had connections with the outfit people, mafia people, and supposedly had a meeting with um, Gene Khan and some of those guys from Chicago that if uh, they could get um, uh, Illinois and, and also Kansas City people to vote uh, Democrat and uh, help um, Kennedy uh, you know, win the election, that... Uh, he would promise that he wouldn't go real, real tough on, on, on uh, you know, on them, the criminals. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did it. They, they were able to, to get Illinois and, uh, and Kansas, and, and Kennedy at that time won by the, the lowest margin in history, 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the mafia people rightly felt that, uh, you know, they were uh, uh, instrumental in, in, in getting yeah. into, and that they, they, the they owed them huh? something, you know. Hmm. And so the only people in those days, uh, Francine, who could keep it to themselves, keep a secret about it, go to their grave, would be the mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was a government thing, somebody would have on a deathbed confession or something, would, or, you know, would have said, this is what happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. And nobody's ever come up with that, although, you know, you know, thousands of people every year say that they did it, but there's enough information that right. only the perpetrator would know, then, and that's the reason a lot of the information is kept quiet because you know how do you know that so and so really really was involved unless they had some information that nobody else knew about so right. that's and one reason was, yeah then there was that whole controversy about whether the agent was whether president the president told the agents to stay off the car or or uh, that yeah whole- well I, I i believe that part of it because she said that before uh he did not want it to look like uh you know that uh, that this this was a a kind of a dictatorship where the president had to be afraid of the people and surrounded by uh, you know uh, protect you know protection people and and stuff like that. He wanted to you know press uh, press the flesh you know talk to people. He would he would sometimes if he was uh, in a in car and he saw a group of nuns or people or. You know, we were waving at him. He'd stop and get out and talk to him. He would do stuff mm-hmm. like that. And in those, uh, I call it the age of innocence. Yeah. And you could do that. Absolutely. And you really didn't have to worry about uh, anything like that happening. Uh, now, geez. We're no, that, would, like, that uh, wouldn't happen really yeah, today. Sadly enough, you, you, now, you never can do that. And have you gone back, uh, Joe, to Dallas at the Texas Book Depository and gone through any of that? or? No, you know, quite frankly, I haven't. Yeah, I, I yeah. just don't like the. Uh, the memories are too, too sad. Yeah, for sure. And 
Now, what was your next contact with Jackie and the kids after you were told to go uh, take custody of the car? Uh, well, Jackie and the kids, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, Clint Hill was the gentleman or secret service guy that pushed her back in the car. She was trying to get out. And, yeah. uh, so, uh, they, uh, you know, so she just went back to the White House and, uh, you know, with his protection and the other secret service guys and, Remained there for well, maybe a month or something until uh, the Johnson family moved in. Yeah, hang on to that thought. I want yeah, hang on to that because that'll be interesting. We need to take another break. We'll be right back with private investigator and former Secret Service agent Joe Palella. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Joe Palella had a distinguished career with the U.S. Secret Service working on the White House detail and also in undercover situations, which we're going to talk about. But, Joe, we were just talking about that transition you know, Kennedy now has been assassinated. You are immediately taken off the detail and assigned to Johnson. That must have been a tough transition. Uh, very tough. 
I can't imagine. <laughs> well, uh, you can imagine it. I really don't want to go into that part of it too much, but uh, let me let me put it this way: they were about as different as, as two people can be. Um, uh, for all the good things I said about um, President Kennedy, I really really couldn't say that about President Johnson. So he wasn't uh, the personable. No. Hands-on guy that President Kennedy was. Mm-mm, no, no, he was a yeah. politician. That was it, you know. And uh, so, best to kind of leave it that way, uh, friend. Yeah. Well, and plus, you—I mean, it sounds like you really connected with the Kennedy family. Yeah. Well, I—I I think it was almost impossible not to. <laughs> I don't think there was an agent uh, that I've ever heard or talked about. Did not feel the same way uh, as I did. Um, you're just one of those kind of people, Francine, that uh, 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 was a good person. He liked other people. He, uh, I was happy with himself. I remember when they, when Nixon and, uh, and and Kennedy had the first debate in Chicago when 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 Nixon was running against Kennedy. And as I was at the front door of the the, um, the uh, studio, uh, Nixon came in and kind of uh, looked kind of nervous and kind of sweaty looking, and and it looked like he didn't shave and just you know, this this didn't seem to be <laughs> real real happy. And Kennedy came in, big smile, happy-go-lucky kind of a guy, easy going. The world was a wonderful place. And you couldn't help but say, "What a difference!" You know. Yeah. And um, and 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 this is the way he was. He just had a a good feeling about life. He was happy with himself and, and happy about life. And during the, uh, um, the 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 debate on TV, uh, when it was all over, there were people asked who who they thought won and blah blah blah. Well, overwhelmingly, everybody thought Kennedy was way ahead of Nixon as far as the the questions and answers and all this mm-hmm. on TV. But on radio, Nixon won. Really? So it just, you know it goes to show you what you know uh, how his appearance, his charisma, whatever you want to call it, radiated, and you know, like like President Obama. President yeah. Obama is, uh, you, you can't help but like the guy. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. You may not exactly. be with him, you know, as far as his, uh, uh, you know, his, his government, uh, handling the government of politics, but you sure can't help but uh, not like him. I mean, I like uh, him personally, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and, and then, so then you went with Johnson and then also into the Nixon administration. Uh, I, no, uh, when, shortly after being with Johnson, I uh, put in a, a request to get back to Chicago. So I wasn't on his detail for more than a month or two. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, with Nick, Nixon, when, uh, when, when he was a VP uh, with uh, Eisenhower, I got to meet him at that time and, and, and work with him. Um, at that time, Francine, there wasn't a, uh, there was, only one detail it was that the president the uh, vice president would have uh, would have uh, protection when requested and a lot of times they wouldn't request it because they didn't want to seem like they were you know afraid of anything so but there are times when when they they needed um, um, 
extra protection, like when he was in South America. Uh, his, uh, you know, his, his car was surrounded by uh, uh, anti-Nixon or anti-American kind of people, and he almost turned over the car. They were pushing mm-hmm. it back and forth. So much. Thank God there were a couple of agents with him uh, to uh, uh, to keep this from happening. But had he just gone there alone, uh, who knows what what could have happened. Times have certainly changed, haven't they? Yeah. It's amazing you, how much difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to ask you, Joe, what do you think of the whole Marilyn Monroe thing and John Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you that question. <laughs> That's something I I can't answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but I have so, to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, no, it's, um, there are certain areas... Um, uh, Francine, that uh, you know, you just don't like to talk about. Um, um, but um, uh, we kind of have to leave it like that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. So, and you're writing your own book, from what you're telling me. Yeah. So there's going to be some things, I guess, that was that were in some recent publications that were inaccurate about you. So you're going to set the records. Yeah. Well, that that that. Is one reason, but not not the real reason I uh, uh, I'm doing the book. In fact, I'll, I'll go over the inaccuracy if you if you have time. Sure, go ahead. Um, when I was in Atoka, uh, this was um, you know, about a half a year before he was killed, um, and I got there. I was doing working a four to four to twelve shift. Uh, the um, person I relieved, the guy by the name of Lem Johns, good old boy from Georgia. And he and I were sitting talking. The uh, horse people, the, the the people that took care of the horses and everything, had had left. And uh, about five o'clock, she had called down and she said, uh, uh, "She had a she had kind of a cute voice. She said, Mr. Agent, uh, uh, my my friend and I would like to um, to ride. Could you saddle up our horses?" <laughs> and and I'm from Chicago. I, I, I knew less about saddling up a horse than, than, than <laughs> fixing a car or something like that. But Lem John, good old boy from Georgia, said, it, don't worry, Joe, Joe I'll, I'll, I'll help you. So, so she came down uh, with her friend, and uh, Lem John saddled the horses. And then, and then her, her uh, Clint Hill and, and, and Paul Anders also came down. So I was standing there holding a the horse, and uh, she had a real tight pair of Levi's on and a and a and a, and a t- t-shirt, and she couldn't quite get her foot in the um, in, in, in the stirrup. So mm-hmm. she said, uh, "Mr. Agent, would you lift me?" <laughs> so I grabbed her by the waist and started to lift her, and she started to giggle. She said, "Oh no, my foot!" I said, "Oh, okay." Uh, I, I kind of knew what she meant, but I thought this is my chance to kind of you know touch her, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, so. The um, the uh, uh, other guys, Clint Hill and, and Paul An- Paul Anders, are thinking themselves like the the, the old time um, uh, Laurel Hardy movies where you you lift somebody over the and they, they go right over the horse right, and fall on the right. which didn't happen. But somehow or other, it got back to to Jerry Blaine who had uh, written a book, and I didn't even know that they, they they put in that she had fallen. And, and oh. that, that Clint had reprimanded me, you know, blah blah blah. Well, Franny, Francie, if that would have happened, and she would have fallen off the horse, 
and she had her friend over there. The whole world would have known about it. She probably would have gone right to the hospital to be on the safe side that she wasn't injured or anything of that nature. So it never did happen. But it, it made fairly good. Uh, you know, the uh, Jerry's book made the Secret Service guys look like saints, which we weren't. They were just regular people. And I think uh, there's a little comic relief they, they want to put that in. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of ticked me off, and I, I told it to Jerry, and he said, well, that's what I had heard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was too late to do much about it, so I didn't do it. But um, there yeah. were there were things that I'm kind of uh, booked. It's going to be a little bit more about regular uh, Secret Service guys, uh, warts and all, you know, and, and, and this kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, Anyhow, it's a little, a little bit different. So I'm really disappointed, Joe. So you guys really weren't saints? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just kidding you. We, we really were. <laughs> we were perfect. <laughs> well, it sounds like that um, you had an amazing, uh, amazing time and wonderful memories and had good had fun at the same time even though you were you really couldn't ask especially in those days I mean you know it was the age of innocence uh, um, the president hadn't been assassinated for 50 60 years before that um, you know we just lived in kind of a climate that was more kind of easy going so to speak and and uh, uh, we 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 did know. Even even President Kennedy at one time mentioned that if somebody wanted to shoot him with a high powered rifle and, and didn't care if they got caught or got killed themselves, they could they could probably do it because there's no way in a kind of an open society that that you could protect the president 24 seven. You just do the best you can and hope for the best. And uh, had it not been for that crazy thing with. Uh, uh, Oswald, and the funny part of it too, um, Francie, Oswald was in the Marine Corps like myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, from what I understand, he, 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 you couldn't get out of boot camp unless you at least became a marksman uh, with the rifle. Supposedly he had gone through a couple of times because he had, had never even made marksmen. And, you know, making marksmen wasn't that difficult. I was a, a, an expert shooter. And I had never really shot a rifle prior to that. Um, but, um, so for him to be that accurate, uh, with a rifle that really wasn't considered a real, it was an Italian rifle, it wasn't, uh, you know, rated as one of the best, the most accurate, you know, uh, well-constructed rifle in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so that coupled with the fact that he wasn't a real good shot, and then he had a kind of a defective rifle, Kind of makes you wonder how he, he could have done it. So it does. A lot of things that, that, that come to mind, you know. Yeah, it does. And, you know, there were, and there always has been conspiracy theories that abound about what really happened that probably will never change. Yeah. There will always yeah. be those conspiracy theories. Um, so, now, you were talking about telling me when we talked uh, recently that uh, about this undercover job that you had. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure, sure. Um, whenever anybody would pass any, any counterfeit currency, and we'd, we'd find out who it was, um, we'd arrest them, find out, you know, what it cost uh, him to, 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 to buy the, the phony money, 
and would present them with the fact that that's a 15-year sentence if if you're found guilty. And if the guy bought uh, counterfeit money for, you know, 30, 35, 40 bucks, we knew that he was at the end end of it uh, because, you know, and almost to the point where, where, where what uh, uh, real money was worth. So we would get, we talked to this guy and find out where he got the uh, his money from, and go back to his source, and 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 do the same thing. Me would be the one who would go back to, to buy uh, X amount of money from from his source, uh-huh. and uh, we'd find out from him after he was arrested where he got it from. So we would work to the point where it came to about fifteen twenty dollars a hundred we knew we were very close to the to the to the, to the originator the printing press mm-hmm. so i was um um uh, introduced to an italian guy that owned a um a restaurant real nice restaurant in in, in uh, illinois Peoria, illinois and um so um you know, I uh, met the guy, and uh, we got along good, and we knew some of the same people, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I said, well, look, Joe, come, come with me. Now, I had two or three uh, other agents who were sitting around the uh, restaurant to make sure nothing happened to me. So all of a sudden, we get up, we walk through this door, which happened to be the door to the, to the walk-in refrigerator where they had, you know, um, a, a, uh, beef hides and beef, you know, uh, all kinds of meat there hanging up there, almost like in the movie Rocky. And and uh, um, so my were you, secret. Were you worried that they were taking you someplace? That, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> take it all. This is it. Someone you weren't going to come out again. Me. <laughs> and the uh, secret service guys who were around there, they 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 couldn't do anything either because they didn't know what the story is. They would naturally blow my cover. Uh, if I, you know, help me, help me, I told him to come in there. So I said, okay, back with it. I went in with the guy, and I'm thinking, oh, boy. So it was a real, real, real long locker, maybe 30, 40 feet. So we're walking through, walking through, and I figured, is this where he's going to try to get me or what? And, like, the door to heaven opened, and it was a big dance hall. <laughs> it was a big dance hall. People having a good time dancing, blah, you know, the whole thing. I think, oh, wow. You know, I really lucked out. So we go into the dance hall, and um, it happened to be a, a, a kind of a brothel at the same time. Gambling and anything you could think of was going on. So um, so I'm, you know, there with him, and we get to be buddy-buddy, and, and um, he's introducing me around, and, you know. So near the end of it, just about the time we're, when we're going to make the transaction, I had some uh, money, uh, marked money that I was going to buy, you know, counterfeit from him. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, he said, you know, Joe, you're a pretty good guy. He said, how would you like to um, to to, um, to be with uh, his um, head <laughs> madam, you might say? Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh-huh. I'm thinking to myself now, you know, when you work on a you, you can't do that kind of stuff, you know. Right. You can't commit a a, a crime to, to get the information get the, to, to go to court, you know. Right. So I'm thinking, oh, oh here I go. So so I'm. I'm and then one thing about this kind of work, you had to be kind of a quick thinker. Okay? I said, well, uh, Angie, I said, um, you know, I, I'd love to. I said, but I'm I'm just getting over. Um, <laughs> 
And the word in those days, uh, Francie, was clap. Uh-huh. And that, that means uh, gonorrhea. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm all, I think I'm all better, uh, Angie, but I just to be on the safe side, I thought I'd tell you that because, you know, Angie was also married and had three kids and blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, thanks, Joe. Thank you very much. You know, you got to really be my buddy. And I said, but you know, I really, I really think it's all over. Uh, I think, you know, don't worry about it. Let me, let me, uh, let me have her. So I'm, I'm trying to make it look I really want to do it. Right. And he's, right. Uh, you know, he really doesn't want me to do it. Anyhow, so I, so I got over that hurdle, and uh, we really became, you know, friends because you thought, Jesus, Joe's a good guy. He, he could have had this, uh, you know, my best girl, and, and he wouldn't do it because he didn't want to affect me. So we made the transaction. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, bought uh, uh, 10000 uh, uh for a little over $1,000, uh, 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 1500 um, good money for, for 10000 bad money. It was all and, marked and all that kind of stuff. And did that and, ever go to court? What happened? What happened with that? Oh yeah, I went to court and everything like that. He, he really didn't have much to say because number one, uh, you know, it was a pretty much open, open and shut case. You know, he was he, when he when he was arrested, he said, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it wasn't me. It was a guy by the name of Joe Parisi. And I used that name instead of Joe Palel. I used it, my same initials, uh-huh. and he blamed it on me. <laughs> so he said, well. Joe Parisi happens to be a Secret Service agent. <laughs> now, and what was his reaction to that? What was he angry? Or? Uh, he, uh, you know, like he's all the the wind went right out of him. It just because he was so sure that I was, you know, what I said I was, and and yeah. he, he really didn't worry about me too much. He thought maybe I take all the blame, and and, um, and but as far what I was. Trying to say too before Francie is that he wouldn't go any further than that. He wasn't, uh, he was connected to the outfit to a certain extent, but not to the point where he would tell who was the printer, who, 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 who did all that kind of stuff. So we never yeah. did find that out because that was a kind of a death sentence. You know, right. I had a choice of going to jail or, or going to the cemetery, you know, for life yeah. or death, whatever you want to call it. So very rarely ever got any further than 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 that, but you know he got far enough that uh, um, when when we raised this place, we found that about a hundred thousand more dollars of phony money. So we we stopped a lot of that from 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 being circulated. Well, and and to put that in perspective, Joe, what do you think that would be worth today if it were the same situation? Well, oh, about ten times as much. I mean, things yeah. have gone up, you know, from yeah, you know, about about ten times. Because you know, today that doesn't sound like a whole lot of money, but no, no, in no, that, no. In that time, it was a yep. huge amount. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So, you know, like I told you, that was uh, two or three years uh, of pay for the average person would be ten thousand bucks, and so um, and you were making four thousand. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I mean, it really, it really was. It was pretty, pretty. Good money in those days. You could buy a house in those yeah. days uh, for about twelve thousand bucks. So and, and, uh, you know, twelve, twelve five, something like that. And this so, building, you know, things are so you... different now. Uh, Francie, it's probably hard for anybody to 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 put in perspective how the yeah. everything changed so much. Right. And this building that he took you in, this this meat place, cold locker meat place. Yeah. How. Uh, how big was the building? Was it something you... Well, you know, from the outside, you know, you, you'd see the regular restaurant and all that kind of stuff. So 
it looked like a regular restaurant size, you know, from the front. But in back of it, uh, it, it extended uh, probably another 100 feet uh-huh. um, because the dance hall itself seemed to be about, oh, you know, 60 or 70 feet by 100 feet. I mean, it was, it was, it was a it's good huge. size, you know. Uh, um, like I say, to me, it was um, paradise. So to speak. <laughs> so. Yeah, and did they have like gaming tables and? Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You could do anything you wanted, almost. You dance, uh-huh. uh, gamble. Uh, they had a little band, and um, so it was, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a fun place. Yeah. To to go well, to. When when you look back over your career with the Secret Service, what? What would be the one thing that would stick out in your mind when you when you think about that time? What would it be? Well, it would have to be sadly is assassination. Yeah, that was that was it for us as far as our reason to be. You know, uh, you know, you didn't want to go down in history. Uh, the Kennedy detail somehow or other failed. Yeah, and even yeah. though I, I don't think there's anything you could have done, Nancy, it, it happened. So. Uh, I think everybody somehow or other kind of uh, takes the blame, you know. As the saying goes, it happened on our shift. Yeah, I'm sure that that was felt strongly. And I thank you for being on the show today, Joe. It was just fascinating. It was wonderful talking to you, and we have to close up. But um, anyway, uh, I want to just say... One uh, thing about our featured sponsor of the week, which is IRB Search. If you're interested, if you're a private investigator or a related uh, profession and you're interested in IRB Search, go to www.irbsearch.com and ask and look at their look at their menu, see what they have to offer, and see if there is any any way that they can serve your business. My upcoming shows. Uh, next week will be author and investigative reporter Diane Diamond, uh, following Joanne McNabb at the California Office of Privacy Protection and Identity Theft will be in the upcoming weeks, private investigator and computer forensics experts Rob, Bob Radis and Johan Lai. And then starting October 25th, PIs declassified in partnership with the Santa Clara University Northern California Innocence Project will be hosting a series of interviews with individuals who were convicted of crimes they did not commit. So, again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified, and thank you, Joe. My pleasure. Take care. You too. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.